0: Today, I invite you to take your Bibles and join with me as we read the Christmas story from the Gospel of Luke and Chapter 2. The Gospel of Luke and Chapter 2. Now, <clears throat> let me preface this uh, message today. And uh, I do want to share with you how excited I am about bringing this message. Uh, because every year, I I want I have tried uh, for 40 years as a pastor and a preacher to preach what the message of the gospel, of the Christmas story, is really all about. And I have yet to present it the way that I feel it should be. So you pray for me today, Scott, as, uh, as we try to go at it again uh, this, this year. Now, in the Gospel of Luke, Luke, of course, is our church historian. Uh, Luke has written the Gospel of Luke. And uh, another book in the Bible. Does anybody know what that book is? Raise your hand. It is the book of Acts. And uh, Luke is telling us the entire story of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then in the book of uh, His resurrection in the Gospel of Luke, and then uh, His ascension in the book of Acts and the story of the church, and Acts ends up saying that God's mission continued Started in Bethlehem to bring us salvation and has continued even after the Apostle Paul was executed unhindered. The very first word in the Gospel of Luke talks about the testimony of the coming of Jesus. And the very last word of the book of Acts is the word unhindered. God's mission, God's plan, God's sovereignty, God's rule over this world, my friends, is unhindered. God is sovereign He is Lord, and He's come to reveal Himself to us in Jesus Christ. Now, I kind of prompted last Sunday about the the narrative of Jesus' birth by asking a few of you um, how many wise men came to visit the Lord Jesus there after He was born. Did anybody figure out how many? The Bible does say uh, the, the number of wise men. Does anybody know the answer? If you do, raise your hand. Chelsea, how many? What'd she say? I didn't hear. None? No, it does say how many? Anybody else? If you think you know, raise your hand. Three? Anybody for more than three? Yeah? Wait a minute. We got one that knows the answer, and I her to hold up. All right, Jeff knows it and Tara knows it. What's the answer, guys? At least two. The wise men came to visit Jesus. We don't know exactly how many there were, but it's a plural word, men, and it had to be, why, how many? At least two. Now, that's a story. That's actually a test question at a college uh, in Bolivar, Missouri, where a very good friend of mine, Dr. Mike Furman, uh, taught the uh, New Testament for uh, about 30 years until he retired just recently. And it was a bonus question to the freshman class on the introduction of the New uh, te- Testament. And if you got at least two, then you got a little bonus answer as well. So, Jeff and Tara, um, you get an A this year at, at, <laughs> at Christmas time. Let's read the story. Let's hear. Let's hear what God wants us to hear. is the beautiful song that Amanda and Tracy shared with us. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, in those days, and I'm going to go kind of slow, because this verses 1 through 20 is where we get our message today, talking about the times of Jesus' birth. you got the outline there in the bulletin. We're going to talk about the tabernacle where Jesus was born, And we're going to talk about the testimonies, if we have time, about the birth of our Lord. Now, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken when Carinus was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Folks, that's about a 90-mile trip. Because he was of the house and the family or the lineage of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly Frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold I bring you good news of great joy which shall be for all people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a what? Manger. Second time he focuses on the manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. When the angels had gone away from them into the heaven, the shepherds began to say to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about the child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying God, Praising God for all that they had heard and seen just had been told to them. In verses 1 through 5, we read about the times of Jesus' birth. Luke is trying to tell us the whole story with the facts. Luke was brought on to the mission of the gospel by. Uh, after the birth of our Lord, but he uses other sources to get to us the truth of the gospel. Perhaps Mary herself was one of those sources. Luke is telling us about the kingdoms that rule and reign in the times when Jesus was born. There is the rule of the kingdom of Caesar. That's the kingdom of this world. And Caesar ruled the world in the day that our Christ child was born. In contrast to the kingdom of this world is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God does not rule from Rome. The kingdom of God rules from heaven. Caesar Augustus ruled in Rome from Palestine. Chirinus was his governor appointed to Palestine and Syria, and he needed more money, perhaps to fight a war, perhaps even Chirinus was appointed for the very task of seeing to it that the wars of Caesar continued, and also that the parties of Caesar, and the parties of powerful people, and the debauchery, and all the uh, shenanigans that took place. That's about the best word I can use for sin. All the shenanigans that took place in Rome and the powers of the world were funded. They needed a tax, but before there could be a tax, there had to be a registration. Wars were costly. Wars were expensive. And palaces required an immense amount of wealth. And it was the working man, the working families, the poor, the impoverished, that provided these taxes. Their pagan parties were included with debauchery, and they were funded by the taxes. Working Jewish families were in constant poverty, like Mary and Joseph. Advancement in their time and the economy of this world required that you had total allegiance to Caesar. Kudios Caesar, they said, Lord Caesar, and the local yields. If you wanted justice at the courthouse... You had to bribe the judge, and if you had no money, Caesar always won. If you needed food, you had to scrounge for yourself, like Mary and Joseph. And all economic advantage, advancement rather, was for the benefit, not of you nor your family, but of Rome and the Caesar. It was all about the glory of Rome and the glory of Caesar, who raised and erected statues all around Palestine to remind everybody that he was God. But Luke came to tell us that Caesar's not God. In contrast, Mary and Joseph are two pious Jewish young adults who have trusted God in His vision to them to bring the Savior to the world. For unto you is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It was a strange plan. It was a strange plan that God had to bring this Savior into this world in a manger in the town called Bethlehem, an obscure small village south of where everybody was focused, Jerusalem and the temple there, in this little town of Bethlehem. Joseph and Mary had traveled for 90 miles on foot and fold to get there. They had sought to be obedient to God and submit to the laws of God in the Jewish law. They were well read of the scriptures, but they also obeyed the laws of Caesar. And so they left Nazareth, way north of Jerusalem, 90 miles they traveled day and night, Mary great with child, to get to their hometown where their families came from, like you have come home today. Many of you have traveled to get back to Mead County and to be with your family and your loved ones here. Luke is contrasting the power of Rome and the humility of God's people, Mary and Joseph, people who do not have means, trying to scrap a living in a government dictatorship that ruled the world from Rome. This registration, now get this, this registration that Mary and Joseph are doing is preparing people to pay taxes to Rome, and it hints to us that Mary and Joseph had not lived in Nazareth very long because uh, they weren't really married, they were betrothed to each other, but they had to go back to where they were born in order to register, much like a college student would go back home to vote and then return to campus later. Here are these two kingdoms, the kingdom of this world run by the Caesar from Rome who thinks he is in charge, and there is the kingdom of God that has intervened. It's been 400 years. 400 years since God's prophets had prophesied and said the Messiah is coming, the Savior of the world is coming. But the Bible says when the right time came, God sent forth His Son born of a woman, born under the law. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. What do the times of Jesus' birth say to you and me? I just want to share with you a couple of things that it says to me. Here are some observations about this contrast of these two kingdoms. The kingdom of God revealed in the humility of Mary and Joseph and their obedience to God and willingness to do what God asked them to do and the, and the powers of this world that dictated and ruled from Rome. Let me make one observation. God is bringing salvation and hope to us, specifically when times seem their darkest. You see, for Mary and Joseph, it was a bit embarrassing that she was great with child and there had been no wedding celebration. He had and she had to say to the world, this is the work of God in me. Not because me and my fiancé have had relations. And I'm sure there are a lot of family members going, yeah, right. Yeah, right. It's a little embarrassing to go home in the condition of pregnancy that Mary had and they were not married yet. These were dark times. They had no place to stay. They had no place to live. They were looking for lodging back home. We're not sure how long they remained in um, Bethlehem. Maybe a week, maybe two weeks, maybe three, maybe a month even. It was also the darkest time of the year, perhaps. The darkest time of the year economically, uh, darkest time of the year in terms of life, trying to scrap and make a living. Folks, there's a story that goes back to World War II that talks about when the Americans and the Allies were imprisoned in the prison camps of Germany. That one day during the middle of this World War II, the, uh, the Gestapo went out to uh, take, uh, uh, understand what was taking this scuttle that was taking place in the camp. The uh, prisoners of war had come out and they were singing and they were laughing and they were happy and they were rejoicing and they were malnourished, but they had conjured up some kind of rejoicing in the, in the prison camp. And the, uh, the head of the prison camps and the guards couldn't figure out what was wrong. Come to find out, somebody in that prison camp had snuck in a transistor radio, and it had been announced over the airwaves that the Allies had landed in Normandy. And they had hope that the war would end. Folks, when Jesus came to us in Bethlehem, God was bringing hope to this dark world that we live in. And I'm here to tell you that times are hard in our day, this day, with the drugs and the alcohol and the addictions and the thievery and uh, uh, the meanness and the ugliness in this world. uh, These are dark times in the history of our world. Uh, People do not recognize God anymore. The values of Scripture are upside down. And we struggle to present the gospel to a a dark world. There's a war going on. And there are people that are struggling and fighting for this war and fighting for their lives. And the churches in Ukraine are trying to uh, provide a place for the Ukraine Baptists and the Ukraine Christians just to survive this crazy war over there. But God is bringing salvation to our dark times. Some of you may be living in dark times. Life may not be going as you had planned. You may have had an interruption in your plans and your schedule because of some bill that you got. You you may have an interruption in your plans because your family hopes and dreams didn't work out like you wanted them, them to. The good news is today for you there has been born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And he started with us as that manger, as that in that manger, as that baby child, in order that he could become our Savior and our Lord. Another thing this Bible passage tells me is that we belong to God. And that Jesus came into this world to reclaim us back to the Father. Folks, hear me. This is our Father's world. And our Heavenly Father is in charge of history. Ultimate power and rule over this world belong to God alone. Not any Caesar nor any Congress. Whether it be Putin of Russia or Chairman Xi of China, remember, this is our Father's world. Neither drug lord in Central America nor the street gangs in our cities are in charge of this world. This is our Father's world. Neither the cartels nor the drug dealer down the road where we live. This is our Father's world. Neither the, street, uh, the Wall Street moguls nor the robbers nor the thieves that we deal with in this, la- in this land are not in charge of this world. This is our Father's world. This is God's world. No bully at your school nor a buffoon at your Christmas party is in charge of your world. This is our Father's world. No liar, no slanderer, no gossiper, no malicious person is in charge. This is my Father's world. This is my Father's world, the song says. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. Handel's Messiah is sung at this year and is quoted from Revelation chapter 11. The kingdom of this world, the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. And He will reign forever and ever and ever. Can I get an amen? Amen times when Jesus was born was a contrast between the world we live in and the kingdom that God is bringing to us and Jesus came because God wants you to live with him in heaven forever and forever and ever let's focus for a few minutes on verses six and seven that leads me to the second point of this three-hour sermon I want us to think about where God tabernacled. Now the word tabernacle means dwelling, Uh, wherever God dwells, wherever God tabernacles. The Jewish people thought for uh, uh, centuries that in the Holy of Holies in the Temple, that's where God tabernacled, that's where God came down. But God came down in a little village five miles from the Temple. It was called Bethlehem, and God tabernacled with us. He uses the word manger to talk about where God dwelt in this little manger in Bethlehem. In fact, if you counted it as we read through the Christmas story, three times Luke uses the word manger. Something is very important to Luke in the Christmas story about this manger Now, let me talk with you about three theories out there about the inn and the manger. Where is this manger? Where is this inn? And where is this holiday inn? And where is this manger? Well, um, the word manger is a very common word in the New Testament. And it's only mentioned one time or three times here in this passage here. And... uh, we think about the baby Jesus and Mary uh, wanting to find refuge at a Holiday Inn in Bethlehem, and this innkeeper says, no, there's no room, you've got to go somewhere else, and they go out to a barn or a stall and they find the baby Jesus. That, that is one good theory. Um, or maybe perhaps a second one, that there was a cave-like dwelling for Jesus to and Mary and uh, Joseph to find a place uh, for them, uh, to, for, for Jesus uh, to be born. However, there's, a, there's another thought that kind of makes sense, that the, the inn was a guest room in someone's home, because Mary and Joseph were unable to rent facilities. They had to stay with somebody else. And that this idea of a guest room would be an inn, and that the manger itself was a part of this household. It, it was kind of a place where you brought the animals in for, for the night. And uh, and they were on a lower level and a higher level was this place where the cattle could feed or the goats could feed. And, the, and an inn would have been kind of like a guest room in one of these houses. And folks, Luke may be saying there was no room in the guest room. And the baby Jesus had to be born with the other cows, uh, with the cattle, not the other cows, excuse me, with the cattle, with the sheep, or whatever animals that there were in the house. Regardless what theory you look at here, Jesus was not welcomed in the palaces. Jesus, God Himself, was born isolated, marginalized from the rest of the world and welcomed only among those who were humble and those who trusted God. What does that say to us? What does that really mean? What what do you think Luke is trying to tell us? Here's what I think God is trying to tell me in this passage. And hear me clearly. God has chosen to reveal Himself fully as a child wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying helpless in that manger, in that insignificant town called Bethlehem, through a homeless family, to some lowly shepherds in a crowded city where people are searching for the truth. Remember what the Apostle Paul said? Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking upon the form of a servant and being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearances of a man, he humbled himself. What is God saying to us today? Folks, the only way to see Jesus and to see, uh, the only way to see God and what God, who God is and what God's really like is to see Jesus, God, in that manger. And the only way to know God is to come to Jesus humbly, repentant, and willing to trust that He is God with us. How many of you saw the sunrise this morning? How many of you came to sun and looking at the bright sunshine? I don't remember when the skies were more clear in Kentucky than this morning. Have you ever stood outside and just tried to look straight in the sun? Can't do it, can you? You need a filter of some kind. If you had a filter of some kind, you could look at the sun, and you could see through a telescope or whatever what the sun is really like. The Bible says that God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. The Bible also says "God, there's no man that's ever really seen God. But God has come to us so that we could see Him and know Him. Jesus is kind of like a filter, if you will, so that we can see who God really, really is. God who made this world, God who formed this world, as far as telescopes will see, God Himself stands out apart from the world in which we live. What is He like? Who is He? Well, it's through the baby Jesus who said in the Gospel of John, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. You see, this is our Father's world. The baby Jesus who taught the disciples and grew up and called His disciples said, when you've seen me, you've seen God, you've seen the Father. He really was God come to us in human form and dwelt in human form so that you and I could see God. And what we know is, and what we've come to understand is, number one, God loves you. More than anything else that you hear me today say, know that God loves you. The plan of Jesus coming into this world was a plan that God prepared even before He created the world. The birth of Christ, the death of Jesus on the cross, His resurrection from the grave was God's plan before He ever made the stars, before He ever made the earth, before He ever spoke and brought everything into existence that is. All of that was God's plan, because He wanted you and me to have a relationship with Him that lasts for all of eternity. Now, as you look up this way, as you look up this way, there are two trees. There are two trees. One tree over here has the little manger by it. Does anybody know where the other tree is? It's the cross right behind me. Folks, that's the story of God's salvation for you and me. God came into this world as a baby so that He could go to this tree, the cross, and die for your sins and my sins. Because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages and the consequence of sin is death, eternal death, separation from God in a place called death and hell. And it was never God's idea or God's plan for you and me to spend eternity in hell. But because angels rebelled and because Satan himself as a fallen angel tempted us in the Garden of Eden, we have all sinned like Adam and Eve. And we are responsible and we are accountable for our sin. And folks, we need to remember that this Christ child who came into this manger in Bethlehem, God coming to us in this manger, This Christ child was resurrected from the grave after He died on that cross. He ascended into heaven. And friends, one day He's coming back. The question is, do you know Him when He returns? When He calls your name, will you know Him? Will you be one of those who will enter God's holy heaven? Or will you be cast out on the day of judgment into eternal punishment? It's time to decide. It's time to decide. Am I trusting this Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came into this world, who died on that cross, who was raised from the grave? Am I trusting what He has done, what He has accomplished when He died on that cross, when He gave His life, when He bore our sins upon Himself? Are we trusting Him for our salvation? Or Or are we trying to earn our way to heaven? Every religion in the world, I don't care what you name, tries to teach us how we can find our way to God, and how we can see God, and how we can become maybe even like God. But only the gospel of Jesus Christ tells us in the Word of God that God became flesh. God has come to us. And if we will only trust and believe in Him, We will surely have eternal life. The story ends with the testimonies about Jesus' birth. And here they are. All who heard it wondered at the things which were told by them by the shepherds. Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Verse 18 says, Some people just observed what happened in Bethlehem. And I think there's a lot of people at Christmas time that just observe, maybe through Santa Claus, maybe through gift giving, maybe through going to a manger scene somewhere. We just kind of observe and watch, maybe even call ourselves Christians because we've just seen it and heard it. But have you ever thought about being like Mary and receiving what God wants for you? Mary treasured all that took place in her heart. And all my life I've tried to treasure more and more. This Christmas Day and what it means that God has come into this world to save me. For you there has been born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Will you treasure that? Mary pondered it, but she treasured it, the scripture says. To treasure it means that you trust the gospel, that you trust salvation and salvation alone through Jesus Christ. Have you trusted Him as your Savior and you trusted Him as your Lord? And then the the scripture says the other testimony is those of uh, of, of, of the shepherds. These lowly shepherds tending to sheep out in the countryside or near town or maybe near Jerusalem uh, so that they could provide a sacrifice in the temple. uh, Who knows? But they were out in the countryside. They came into Bethlehem. They observed and believed all that God had done. And they went out telling that story to everybody that would listen. Is that what you're doing this Christmas? Have you told anyone your gospel story? Have you glorified God in your Christmas Day experience and said, Lord, I thank you for my salvation through Jesus Christ, and I want everybody in my family to know about Jesus? I recommend if you have Christmas dinner today that you'll tell the Christmas story or read the Christmas story or pray in your prayer of thanksgiving, Thank you, God, for our salvation. Let people know that you are saved by God's grace and grace alone and the gift that God has given us in the Christ child, Jesus Christ. Once again, I impress upon you to give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that we can keep telling this good news around the world and be uninterrupted in order that we might share that others will know Jesus. Will you bow with me as we pray? We thank you, our Lord, for the gospel that has come to us in Jesus Christ, the good news of salvation. And on this day, Lord, of all days of the year, our hearts are filled, our hearts overflow with anticipation and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for your first coming and anticipation of your second coming. May our hearts be ready, may our hearts be prepared. And I pray that someone today will come and give their life to Jesus and ask Him to forgive them of sin and be Savior and Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.